This is a Stand Up New York Labs production, providing you podcasts since 2013. Podcast with funny man Damian Lemon and the voice of your choice, Ali Muhammad. Yeah, we are back in the conversation, and as you can tell by the sound of my voice that you're hearing first, is that Damian Lemon is out, out handling business this week. He'll be back next week though. Uh, but this week we are here in the conversation, and we do have a special guest, uh, CEO of Banana Skirt Productions. Yes. All right. I got it right. No doubt. Her name is Akina Rockman, and we go all the, all, all the way back. Um, we actually had a business together doing music supervision. And, uh, you know, colleagues and clients in the in the music space, she was at Violator when I was at Vibe. Yep. Which was right next door. So it was like, you know, that was where I, basically the young people use Violator as our water cooler. <laughs> exactly. So we would leave from Vibe and always turned up at Violator and go over to Violator to get some of that energy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Never know what you was gonna run into or what you was gonna come away with. Always a good time. Ah, uh, Akina, yes. welcome. Thank you. Thank uh, you for having me. No doubt. So, um, tell us a bit about Banana Skirt Productions, and you know, if you don't know, Banana Skirt Productions in New York City. Are you in other cities yet? No, right now we're just in New York. New York City is like one of those fitness uh, crazes that, you know, is similar to what? What, what would be similar to? Soul Cycle? Soul Why Cycle. Why for the best, right? Yeah, Soul Cycle-ish. <laughs> the way that people... It's cult-like, yeah. Yeah, it's cult-like. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about Banana Skirt. Sure. Banana Skirt is a dance fitness brand um, for people who want to have fun with their fitness, learn how to dance or achieve some, you know, or get active after some time away from... From working out, um, we use popular music and music videos as a form of inspiration and motivation. Mm-hmm. So, um, a lot of our classes uh, are really reliant on the curation of a playlist. I do the curation myself, being the music supervisor that you mentioned that no I doubt. once was. <laughs> <laughs> so, we really re- rely heavily on music um, as the backbone. For me, you know, I had worked out in Zumba studios and things like that and really couldn't find that um, that thing that really would pull me in and keep me fo- keep me interested. Right. I knew I needed some hip-hop in my fitness. Right. So you put the hip-hop into the fitness. And yes. so tell me, like, you know, you were at Def Jam, mm-hmm. and, and then you were starting Banana Fitness, Banana Skirt Productions. Mm-hmm. What was that? When did the idea come, and how did it come, and how did you actually bring it about and make it real? Well, you know, most of the time, a lot of times, our our, our inventions come from necessity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I happen to have been uh, one of many that were laid off uh, in 2014 from um, the Island Def Jam Universal Mix. Um, my particular situation was that I was a new mom, though. So wow. I had just returned from maternity leave. My son was six months old. Mm. And I had a pink slip. <laughs> so, um, so you know, I was blessed in that I was a, um, a contracted um, employee. So I had some cushion mm-hmm. to continue, you know, to figure out what my next move was going to be. And the inspiration hit me for this type of dance class as a new mother. Mm-hmm. Because at that point, I was looking for ways to get back in shape. And... Like I said earlier, Zumba wasn't my thing. And, right. you know, I've never been at a hardcore Barry's boot camp or any of that type of fitness type of, per- you know, kind of person. So I th- decided, you know, I'm going to, as a something to do on the side, make a little bit of extra money. Wasn't really thinking it was going to be what it is today. I'm going to create this uh, some dance classes that focus on learning choreography for music videos, right. um, specifically Beyonce in the very beginning. Right. And so you, you said, all right, bet, that's a great idea. And a lot of people come up with great ideas in the middle of the night. You know, mm-hmm. you know what, that'll be great. Talk mm-hmm. to their friends about it, you know what I'm saying? They get all hype. 
But how do you go from idea to reality? You know what? I think um, because it because I w- it wasn't a lot of pressure on it. You know what I mean? For me at the time, it was kind of like a hobby. I'm going to put this together. It'll be fun to get women together to dance. Um, so I didn't have a lot of pressure. So I really just, you know, like I do all things, I, I came up with a plan. I'm not a dancer, for one. I knew I wanted to create these amazing dance classes where you're learning moves from music videos, but I was a two-step type of person. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the first thing I did was I went online and I posted an ad for instructors. Um, well, that's the second thing I did. The first thing I did actually was I went and looked for places where I could actually hold these classes. Mm-hmm. So I went around New York City, I went around New Jersey, and I found a studio in Hoboken mm-hmm. that was willing to rent out to me. And then I put an ad on Craigslist. I need instructors who can dance like Beyonce. I mean, it was it was a little <laughs> more polished than that, but essentially that's what it said. And um, got some, you know, got some some feedback. I got a couple instructors to come in there and teach the classes that consisted of my friends mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who would get on the path train and come to Hoboken. Right. Um, and that's kind of where we started. It wasn't that many people showing, you know, it was a couple of. I think I had like twice a week and I had one class, like so two classes per week basically. Right. And then, so you saying it wasn't that many people, um, a lot of your friends. So what made you say, you know what, I can really do this? What happened was my friends were saying, well, this is an amazing idea. I would love to work out in this way. You know, I don't like going to the gym. You know, other ways, other fitness, you know, fads don't interest me. They're boring. I would love to learn choreography as my form of fitness because we were burning calories, mm-hmm. you know, four or 500 calories per class. So they said, if you brought it to the city, I can come, you know, <laughs> I can get there after work. So I said, oh, word, okay, well, I'm bringing it to the city. <laughs> and I found Pearl Studios, mm-hmm. which is where we still hold our residency for our Midtown location. And um, just started, post, you know, started hosting classes there. Um, from that, I think what happened was my friends, of course, being from the music industry, had friends who had friends and, you know, influencers and people who have larger followings on social media. Mm-hmm. And as they started to find out what we were doing, they started to come and right. post about it. Right. And nice. then there was that sort of that planet started to align. And right. I said, what? Wait, this can be like a real business. Right. You know, I started to do the numbers. And I'm like getting excited. <laughs> like, oh, wait, hold if I had this amount of classes and this amount of classes and I start to, you know, increase. And then I started really taking it seriously and creating, um, coming up with formats, class formats. Right. So now you, you got it going. What are some of the things that you take away from the people that come to the course that what's some of the feedback that you get? That, that, that's been the most, um, you know, the, the most exciting part of all of this, the most motivating, the most inspiring is that the feedback that I started to get from the women and men who take our classes was, um, was such that I was changing lives. You know, I leave my job. I hate what I do for a living. But when I leave my office and I come to the studio, I forget about my, my day. You know, I, it wipes the slate clean. Um, you know, I've lost 65 pounds since starting your classes earlier this year. Um, I see posts, they tag me in posts where like people, they've met friends at Banana Skirt and they're hanging out and at the club or at a birthday party or <laughs> doing their moves. At, exactly. <laughs> seriously. Um, or at a baby shower, you know, so the, just to see the, the community that we've created has really been, you know, the, the, the golden ticket. Right. And my wife has started to come to classes <laughs> and, um, you know, she's been watching it since I did those videos a long time ago. Right, from, right. From yes. way back. Mm-hmm. Um, so she looked at it, and, you know, she always said, you know, I would do something like that. Mm-hmm. And then um, I guess, you know, she did one class last year, and I guess coming in 2019, I guess she on top of, like, she on her goals. I right, guess. right. So she's been signing up for the classes. But I guess the thing with her is, like, you know, Again, it's not hard to, it's not easy to keep her engaged. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking for her, and I'm sure she'll probably say I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> but I'm going to just go for it since we're here. Right. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's not easy to keep her engaged with, with something. But yes. this, it seems like she's pretty excited about, it, especially the Dirty South class. Okay. She's from Atlanta. Okay. So 
it's, it's that. something that she could do that's in her own little lane. Yes, exactly. You know, you don't have that that pressure of the gym, Absolutely. the gym culture of you know everybody's strong and mm-hmm. obviously everybody's already thin, everybody's already, already fit in shape. and yeah. you know built and all yeah. that. So I've seen it myself shooting your classes that anybody, you know, what I mean everybody's doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not even if they they might not even know how to dance that good. Yeah. But they're doing it. Yes. Or, you know, all shapes, sizes, and colors. Absolutely. Um, did that did that um, surprise you at all? It did. It did. Um, I knew going into it, um, again, after I started to really, you know, take it seriously, for lack of a better description, um, I started to see that it was speaking to everybody. It wasn't just speaking to my group of friends. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And... Um, or people, you know, like my friends. And I, and it, it blew me away because we really do, it is a Benetton ad in every single class, <laughs> you know. Um, and that that is so beautiful to see, especially in, in you know, today's climate. Um, we also have all ages. I mean, we start pretty much our sweet spot is, I would say, 24, 25 to 42 because, you know, 42 is like 32, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> what they say. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, but we also have women as, in their 60s that come and take our classes. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we've developed, you know, multiple formats now. So we have all kinds of classes and we try to speak to and cater to all types of, you know, interests when it comes to music. But, um, but yes, that, that was very, you know... Not only was I surprised, I was super excited, and it really made me that much more enthusiastic about it all. Right, right, right. So, like, this week, what's the type of courses you guys are are teaching? Um, This week we have a little bit of um, Cardi B, Money, which is really popular right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So in in that class, for example... Um, because a lot of the classes we teach the choreography from a music video, mm-hmm. something that exists already and something you've seen over time, like, um, you know, Beyonce, Crazy in Love, which right. we did yesterday, which was always, which is always Y'all super still packed. Do that. that never stops. That <laughs> there's certain staples that just won't go away, and that's one of them. Um, but there's also times where we do things like Cardi B Money, where there isn't a video that has lots of choreography. Man, so just rolling around. Well, you know, we got to twerk it out. Yeah, you're you're going to twerk in a Cardi B class. No don't doubt. come to I Cardi mean... B if, you don't, if you're not prepared to twerk. <laughs> <laughs> that is her former profession. But um, so we, so that class, you know, our, choreographer, our chore- choreographers will create, or instructors will create the, uh, the the routine for that class that you'll learn. But uh, we also have, you know, Ariana Grande, Thank You, Next, and, mm-hmm. you know, Christina Aguilera, Dirty, um, you know, City Girls, Twerk, <laughs> you know what I mean? So we sort of, we, we run the gamut when those, those are choreography classes. And then right. we also have Ratchet Fitness, which right. is something that I developed um, in which we turn our studio into a nightclub. Right. So it's, it's in the dark, it's a nightclub, lights, um, and then we have it sort of um, classified by type of music. So when I created Ratchet Fitness, it was really like the after party, right? Because mm-hmm. I'd been on so many music video shoots throughout my career, you know, at the end of the music video shoot, even though we had worked, you know, however many hours, we still would go out mm-hmm. that <laughs> night, you know what I mean? A lot of times, especially in my earlier days. And so... Uh, <laughs> Later days, I was like, peace out. You guys go ahead. Go into the hotel. Y'all so cute. Uh, <laughs> so but we would still go out, you know, after a full day and, you know, after achieving what we achieved on the video set that day. And we would go to the clubs. And I wanted to recreate that because I would no longer go into the clubs. You know what I mean? So I um, so Ratchet Fitness is really all about a night out at the club. The, the playlist is curated by myself. It's not a full song. You know, it's like you'll get two minutes of a song, just like you would in the club. Mm -hmm. You know, you get a minute of a song, the hot part, the hot 16, if that's only that part of the song that's hot right now. Mm -hmm. You know, that type of thing. And so we have, you know, Dancehall Ratchet and Dirty South Ratchet and Cardi B versus Nicki Minaj Ratchet and Drake Ratchet. You know what I mean? And those are all themed out. And then we have our OG, which is what I originally created, which is Ratchet Fitness... um, which is just all about what's happening in the clubs currently. So it's right. a mix of different artists. It's whatever's on the radio, whatever's happening in the clubs. No doubt. So 
you spoke a little bit about your time in the music business. Yes. And a lot of our listeners, you know, so that that chime in, you know, they're they're doing music or they're they're, they're on that journey, they're on that path, trying to get there. Um, <clears throat> tell us a little bit about your your time in the music business. Like, how did you even come to even pursue that? I when I I grew up in that environment, so to speak. Mm-hmm. My dad owned nightclubs mm. um, all my life, so. I was around that. Um, and what city was this? In in Maryland, PG County. PG County. The DMV, as they say now. <laughs> so um, we were from, so the clubs were in, the, he had a couple, but the biggest one was in Landover, Maryland, called the Utopia. I was um, privy to, you well, know. What kind of music did they do in Utopia? Oh, the hot music. What the eight? It was the eighties. So it was Evelyn <laughs> Champagne King. It was, and these are artists that would come to the club, right? So right. they would come and perform. So it was Evelyn Champagne King, Full Force, Lisa Lisa, and Colt Jam. I was able to go to my so certain artists at the you know I was about thirteen. Um, my parents would actually take me, my sister, and myself to the club at night. We would go upstairs because we could look <laughs> over. Um, at, from my dad's office onto the dance floor and everything. It was mm-hmm. a pretty, it was large actually. Um, and we could watch the show. So I actually went to see Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam, BBD. Mm-hmm. You know, of course, they weren't going to have BBD, anything near New Edition there, and I wasn't in the room. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, so you know, so I grew up around that. And then we would have Kitty Disco. So every Halloween, my dad would have a Kitty Disco. It was mm-hmm. huge. All the kids, you know, lots of kids from all over would come to the Kitty Disco. And I, myself and my sister and our neighborhood friends would create a dance routine and perform it for the entire Kitty Disco. <laughs> Can you imagine? You paid to see, you paid, came to a party and you see these random kids just performing for you. But anyway, <laughs> we did it every Kitty Disco. So, um, so it was like Planet Rock. I'm, no, I'm no aging doubt, myself. No, no I mean, this is good stuff. I never knew this about you. To. Yes. <laughs> so. So, you know, that was that was sort of, you know, my start in the music business and from there I went, you know, went on and when I went to co- I went to college, I went to Morgan State University. Mm-hmm. Um close friends with Mike Lighty. Um close friends So with, Mike went to Morgan? Mike went to Morgan. Okay. Um Joe Romulus who um worked at So So Def, mm-hmm. um James Neighbors who worked at Bad Boy. So those were some of my friends that um, went Who to school. Who knew Morgan has such a deep uh, music, music industry, industry? Oh, it goes deeper. Alumni. You know, we have Kevin Lyles, and you know, we Kevin Lyles went to Morgan State. Yeah, so we, we it goes deeper, but um, <laughs> but yes, and and so when I was at Morgan State, I was um, not necessarily doing anything super music related, but I was always kind of you know in touch with it, and decided I was going to move to New York after graduation. And mm-hmm. so I started reaching out to the people that I knew in New York. Mike, you know, cause also Mike Lighty had moved to New York. He was working for his brother at Violator. I, James Neighbors was at Bad Boy. And like I said, Joe was at So So Deaf. And then I had another friend of a friend who was at um, Columbia. Mm-hmm. So at that time, this was like the late 90s. It was all about, you know, who you knew. And to get into the music industry, you had to be an intern. There was right. no other way. There was no other other door. Or had a hot <laughs> record in the streets. <laughs> <laughs> right, but you had to show and prove. Right. So, so I called around, you know, called Mike. Mike, I'm coming to New York. I want to come to New York, you know. So anyway, I ended up going to So So Deaf with Joe Romulus. Did you? Yes, because they had just opened their New York office. Right. And I was obsessed with Jermaine Dupree. I just thought his his business acumen was like barn, you know, like even though Puffy was Puffy, yeah. I thought I would get lost at Bad Boy. Right. So... Um, so what was y'all working on at Soso Deaf during that time? All Out. All Mace. Out. Mace. Mace had a label called All Out. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he had a group with Stace and Beth and his sister and <laughs> Huddy Combs. Um, and uh, I can't remember all their names. Rest in peace. I think Huddy, yeah, Huddy passed away. But it was, it was, um, it was a great, great time. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, it was the perfect place for me. Actually, Free Maiden. I don't know if you remember Free. He also works with Kanye. He was over. He actually was running good when I was at Def Jam before mm-hmm. I was laid off. But anyway, he was running So So Def East, mm-hmm. and um, it was a smaller office. But we were located inside of Sony, inside of the Columbia right, right, on the Columbia floor. I was the. It was just Joe Free and myself. Mm-hmm. 
So I didn't have a, you know, it was I was able to really learn and get my get my hands dirty and, you know, be in the mix. So mm-hmm. it was a really great opportunity. I'm glad that was the way, the road I decided to take. Right. And then I was still working with, I was still friends with Mike and ultimately ended up working with Mike. Right. While I was at So So Def. And then you transferred on over to the violators. Yeah, because they thought that I w- that was a conflict of interest at So So Death. You're at Violator like every day. That's a con. You know, hip hop. Violator was back fun there. to be at I every know. day. And I was making money because because Mike was booking shows and he's like, "You want to help me book shows? I'll pay you." Because I was interning at So So Death. Right. I only made oh. money to eat. Pluck you. Oh yeah, well shit. Sure. <laughs> and I know other choices. Hamburger. What was the place called? Hamburger. Um, pluck you, damn. Pluck you. And Hamburger Haven or Heaven, I think it was called Burger Heaven. Damn, I remember Pluck You. That was a, right? <laughs> Everybody in the industry ordered from Pluck You back then. Chicken spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Not kind of, not, ch- not Chick fil A, but you know. Yeah, it was good. They had the good sauces. In that, in that vein, per se. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you over at the Violators under, you got Chris Lighty there, rest mm-hmm. in peace, and you got the good Mona Scott. Yes. That was your world. Yes. How was it working under two legends? A blessing. Um, Chris was like family to me. Um, You know, because Mike and I went to college together, we were just, you know, we were best. We ended up being best friends. We ended up being roommates, actually. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to learn from somebody who had... You know, Chris was in the music industry from the very beginning. He was he is he was hip hop. You know what I mean. So to learn from him, to be around that that spirit and that energy, was uh, was something that I didn't, you know, even realize at the time. Right. Obviously, years later looking back, I realized how blessed I was. And then of course with Mona Scott being able to be nurtured by um, a woman, a black woman in the music industry mm-hmm. was was something that a lot of people didn't have the opportunity to have, especially such a grounded woman. I tell people all the time, like Mona, you know, I she her friends were her friends from back then. You know what I mean? Like the people she hung out with were not industry people. I mean, she had, you know, she was cool with everybody. Right. But she was not trying to be in a mix. She was not trying to be anything but herself. Right. And she was very strong. She was very she had a lot of integrity and she was um well respected and I wanted to emulate that so early on I learned how to move in the music industry as a woman Mm -hmm. and not be pigeonholed one and also not be um you know taken advantage of or you know me too movement wasn't really around at that time but obviously hip-hop culture you know there was a level of misogyny that existed no doubt (laughs) you know what I mean and so I really was able to um to navigate in that space by and having and keeping my integrity and always being you know being held in a at a certain you know in a certain place and right. I thank her for that. And if you had to pass any tidbit information on to the next generation of women uh, women coming into this space, what would you tell them? You know, I think the to be strong. To show your strength, to not to not be afraid to show your strength, to not, you know, for lack of a better term, to not dumb yourself down, to not, you know, feel like you need to um, um, be sexual or any of those things, but not be asexual either. Right. Because I feel like the biggest thing, one of the one of the main things I learned from working under a woman is that being a woman is a is 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 a is a necessary is not necessary not I'm using the wrong word, but it is a beautiful attribute mm-hmm. and it is something that brings a lot to the table from the way we think, from the emotional intelligence that we have. And, you know, I think women should should pull from that and not mm-hmm. be afraid to. No doubt. And at that time, you guys had a lot of big players. You had LL, mm-hmm. Buster, mm-hmm. when he was firecracker hot. Yep. Um, Missy Elliott. Missy, Tribe. Yep. Uh, you, just, you said LL? LL, yeah. <clears throat> um, then it was Mob Deep, Noriega. No doubt. And then you had, then on the tail end, 50 was coming in the door. Yes. Yes. So, 
that was all big shit. Yeah, it was. We were super busy, super hot. I traveled the entire world, um, you know, with the with the artists. We also had Tweet, who was uh-huh. my Tweet was, was my, my artist. Yeah, she, yours as well. <laughs> exactly. She was my artist. She was the new artist um, on the block at that time, and um, you know, I was the Mona and Chris. They were dedicating most of their time and energy to, you know, the larger artists, and so Tweet was mine. My baby, but yeah. We might have told this story. I might have told this story on the podcast before, but when Tweet was coming out, they had a listening session at Vibe, like I said, Mm -hmm. which was like right next door. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was always easy to to do things with Vibe and Violator because of the proximity and, you know, everybody knowing each other. Yes. So when Tweet was coming and nobody knew who she was, we had like a conference room, Mm -hmm. listening party. And she brought the guitar, right? She brought the guitar. Mm -hmm. I remember. And, uh... (laughs) And so, you know, everybody, you know, I always like to be the dude. You know how when you listen to a live record yeah. and you hear something, da, 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 and then you hear the crowd, and then be somebody like, all right now, in the background. <laughs> yeah. I always like to be that person. Like, that's that's who I am. I have to be, I have, that's going to be me. You know what I mean? So Tweet was in there. She was strumming her guitar, and everybody was kind of like, okay, all right, all right. And I was like, go ahead now. All right now. <laughs> And I think she, you know, what I'm saying, it gave her energy, so she was like, "Okay, bet you know." What right, I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> From then That's on, just... Tweet was my artist. Everybody knew Tweet was my artist. Right. So any opportunities <laughs> came for Tweet, you know what I'm saying? You bring them to me. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> shout out to Tweet. Yes. Hey, shout tweet. out to Tweet. <laughs> nah, that was a good. She's time. an amazing talent. She was an amazing talent then, and she still is. No doubt. And see, so. Basically, like I said earlier, we did music supervision together, mm-hmm. right? And that came about because, again, hanging out at Violator all the time. And Will, Packer, and Rob Hardy were doing Twa 2. Yes. Pandora's <laughs> Box. Pandora's Box. Which is the, the, I guess, the second commercial movie, third movie, but the second commercial movie. And Yes. And they was like, hey, you know. Uh, you want to do the music supervision? I was like, all right, bet. I didn't really know what that was. You know right. what I'm saying? It was just like, all right, you know, you need to put some songs in the movie. All right, bet. I, I could do that. I know mm-hmm. how to find music, I guess. And so I'm starting to, they send me the movie with nothing in it. Have you ever seen a movie with no sounds <laughs> in it? Like no music, just no no background noise, no ADR, just <laughs> right. just the talking. That shit is some strange shit. It is. <laughs> I remember you showed me showed it to me in that form. It's like, man, what is this? And then you have to fill it up with the music part, and then they'll put the ADR and all that other stuff. Yes. So I'm looking at this stuff, and then I came to Akina like, hey, <laughs> I'm doing this movie. I need some songs. You got some artists. And uh, we went to Mona. You took me in there to Mona. I remember that day. I still don't see that day. Mona was always, and that was another thing about her. She always was was there to support. Yeah, like whatever you, whatever else you wanted to do. She, she was, she was support like, it. "Oh, that's so cute, y'all doing right. some music <laughs> So you took me in there, and I told her what it was, and she was like, "All right, okay, mm-hmm. I hear you." And then she had a. She had stacks of CDs across her desk. Yep. And then she just pointed to one stack and was like, yeah, take that. Take that right there. And this should be some something in there for you. Right. I'm like, right. All of these independent artists were like, sending her music on a daily basis. I'm like, okay. So I took, you know, I was thinking more like, you know, Busta or not. But it was the best thing because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know nothing about We're budgets and Missy you know saying some Missy or something like you know what I mean like you know hook a brother Missy up. write a record for the <laughs> you know what I'm saying hook a brother up you know what I mean <laughs> so she gave me this stack of CDs <laughs> and we found um, who was that artist CC Michaela CC Michaela yes. that shit was like an amazing breakthrough yes because she had the song that perfectly fit the main scene of the yes. movie. Yes. Yes. So I remember that. So yes. she gave me that stack of CDs, and then we went back to your office. You was like, shit, I want to I wanna work on this. I'm like, all right, shit, because it seemed like I'm going to need some help, because I thought I was just going to come in and get Missy and Buster and shit. And right. that ain't what happened. So fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> I was like, oh, I want to do this. Let's I, I, want, like, I want in. Fuck. What's happening? Right. You Let's... wasn't going to never miss no entrepreneurial moment. That, that's been me my entire <laughs> life. You, you wasn't going, nah, what was happening with that? 
So we went on, we finished that, and we we, we did like ten movies with them. Yes, yeah. all the way to Stomp the Yard, and I retired us. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We again, but again, you know, I I can say I've really been blessed in in the in in the mentors that I've had through the years because even in that first we were you know first of all it was Will Will Packer who is mm-hmm. now Will Packer today, um, and Rob Hardy and then Pilar McCurry right right mm-hmm. who was like the quintessential. Um, music supervisor. She did love jumps. Exactly, especially when it came to black films. And we were able to, you know, come in there and be under her tutelage and learn so much from her. Mm -hmm. And she welcomed us with open arms. And she was never, you know, and I I can say that for so many people, but she was never shady. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? She was always there willing to answer our questions. She dealt with us and we were greener than green can be. (laughs) And she was as seasoned as seasoned can be. And and she gave she didn't make us feel that way. And but uh, see the thing, the problem was was that we came in basically from the independent side. You know what I'm saying? So Which was amazing. What what Will and Rob was doing was making these they would get negative pickup deals, which means the studio give you the money for the film if you were able to finish it on yeah, your own. Right. You know what I mean? So they were doing these negative pickups, and they had made a couple of movies on their own, so they knew what to do. Mm-hmm. And basically- They we, had a couple of investors, right? That, yeah. That could um, help them finish the film. Mr. Bronner yep. uh, came in from Bronner Brothers mm-hmm. to help them finish Twa, the first one. Yep. And then they worked with him along the way. I mean, but they had these negative pickups, so they didn't need any investors, but they needed to- be bonded and insured and all that yes. shit to get the shit done. Right. So with that, we were operating in our own world. Like yeah. we did shit the way we wanted to do it. Yeah. It didn't, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Yep. We just got the job done. It didn't matter. Yep. But once we got to stomp the yard. <laughs> once we got on the label. Once, once we got on the label, <laughs> it was different. <laughs> when we were selling out of our trunks. <laughs> <laughs> it was different. And 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 I did. I, I love Pilar, and I love the way what she she let us do, and she still let us be wild. Yeah. To a certain extent. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, but once we got into the label, into the system, the reason I wanted to get out was that I saw that it was no further growth. No, and there was no. It was little to no control. Yeah. No, I mean you really like once you get to the big movies, it was. All right, you got a million dollars. We like, oh shit! Right. Before we, we used to have like ten thousand dollars, fifteen thousand, yeah, whatever. Right. They like, you got a million dollars. Oh shit, we gonna do it. Right. Shit, the the label gonna spend nine hundred and fifty thousand <laughs> of that before you even get to start. Right. You know what I'm saying? By the time you start, you are gonna be right back where you started from. We got fifty thousand to get a, a hundred songs, and so. For me, not that that's a bad thing, but for me, it wasn't as uh, it wasn't as appealing. it wasn't as creative as 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 I wanted it to be. It wasn't. It didn't have room for growth. Um, I had delusions of grandeur. I was starting my own company. I was starting yes. the magazine at the time, so it was kind of like I ain't got time for this shit. So I think you know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, it was I. We we both were deflated. I mean, we came from being able to really make the decisions about the songs that were actually going to be placed in every scene, right? To being, you know, placing the song in one scene, right. <laughs> yeah. and then saying, "All right, go out and get these licenses." Of, you know, <laughs> these are the songs we're going to put in these. The, the, really, the, yeah. the thing that, that that tripped me out about it was that again we had a million dollars, and it was it was people who supported us. When we didn't have shit. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was people and we gave, couldn't and we couldn't put them And we could not give them repay them at all. Yeah. Like like yeah. like uh on that movie for me, it was big on records. You yeah. You know what I'm saying? Out of Atlanta. Yeah. Walk and it out. Baby D had Walk mm-hmm. It Out. Mm-hmm. And he had let me he had let me hear Walk It Out mm-hmm. while we were still shooting. We did put Walk It Out in the film though. We didn't. <laughs> Just that was the point of contention. So yeah, you were dealing with a lot of things on the yeah. back, and I wasn't. Yeah, so walk it out. He let me hear walk it out earlier that year, and right. so um, I knew walk it out was gonna be in the film. And it was like they had we had this thing called Rep Your City, Rep Your City, and it yes. had it had you know 
uh, Atlanta, whatever. It had all these different cities, but Atlanta was one of the cities. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck, shit. Walking out is going walking. right there. That's mm-hmm. that's that's what's it's perfect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Big Oomp gave it to me for a good price. He's always giving us music, even if it was for free. So I was like, all right, boom, I'm going to repay Big Oomp by putting him in this big movie. And getting him a real check. Getting him what I thought would be a real check. And I didn't have opportunity to give him a real check, but he still gave me a good deal. Even though... Big Mama's house. Mm-hmm. He what had, are the songs? He had Walk It Out in Big Mama's house okay. for seventy five thousand dollars. Okay, I don't think I knew any of that. No, no, no. That was your whole. Yeah, that was that was my guy. Mm-hmm. So he had Walk It Out in that movie licensed for seventy five thousand, but he had promised it to me for five. Right, <laughs> right. You know, right. Shout out to Big Oom. Right for the integrity. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. But um, we had got to a point in the movie where. The director didn't want any more Southern music. He didn't want the movie to feel too Southern. Right. And that's why I had to realize that this is no longer, like, as a music supervisor, the movie is not your vision. Yeah. It's you know not. what I'm saying? Yeah. And when it's it was the independent, yeah. when, it, when we was with Rob, Rob allowed effort. you to, he allowed you to have that Collaborate. vision. Yeah. Like, hey, go ahead. You, you bring the vision to the music. Mm-hmm. But in the real world... <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work like that. They're like, nah, the director is the visionary. You just do what the fuck they say. Yeah. And and it was like, man, this movie is shot in Atlanta. I know. The scene is an Atlanta scene. Right. It's called. This yeah. song is rising the charts like yeah. crazy. It's an independent song. That song went to number one. I know. But he was like, nah. So I was like, all right, fuck it. So then we had that hole in the, in the, um, in the movie that mm-hmm. we still needed that song. So later, maybe months later, came back, walk it out. Mm-hmm. It's like, what is you what what is with you with this song? Right. Don't bring this song back here. Right. And I was like, damn. Don't right. I was fucked up about it. And then so what happened in the end was that uh a a rep, it's like these people who go to smaller labels, mm-hmm. and they'll go gather up all the songs from smaller labels, right. and then they'll take it into the movie houses right. and rep them. So this le- this lady who repped TBT and Koch and Oh, yeah, those, I remember her, yeah. She came in and said she had the perfect song for that hole. Right. And it was Walk It Out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After they had told me to get the fuck on with exactly. Walk It Out. And then, so... They put walk. Not only did they put walk it out in the movie. It wasn't that particular scene. It was in that. Yeah. It was round. It was in that club right. scene, but it wasn't as the uh, ATL the, song. What mm-hmm. what tripped me out the most was that they put the song in the movie. They gave that lady a credit for bringing the song, and they gave her twenty percent of Big Oomp's money that he had already negotiated with me. With you. I don't that, remember. That, I don't remember. No, of that. no, I didn't. I didn't make a big deal of it, yeah. but. Internally, I was like, okay. Namaste. This is it. I am no longer a music supervisor. Right. <laughs> I'm going to move on to bigger and better things. Right. And none of you can stop me. You were like, what the fuck are you doing? I, like, I quit. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had so many arguments. <laughs> I quit. What you doing with me? You quit. <laughs> I ain't with this shit. <laughs> We had, we had, we had, yeah, we had a time with that. But though. but the thing about it is, we though, really did. Any to like any arguments that we had, they never felt like arguments. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> because you never paid me any attention. I did pay you attention. <laughs> I, I, I did. I always paid you attention. If you made your voice, if you had to make your voice known, I had to make it. I had to pay attention. Well, I, well, I, what I will say about working with you versus working with any other partnerships that I've had over to, over the time over the years is that. Saying you didn't pay me any attention is just a, another way of saying that you didn't take anything. <laughs> you didn't take me personally, right? You know what I mean? Right. No, like I you it. never did, and right. that was way, that's why we worked so well together because right. you were really able to just like really get to the heart of whatever it was that we were dealing with and not take you know whatever emotional <laughs> baggage came with that. Nah, but it be you know, so because it makes you emotional when you're in those types of situations. No because doubt. it was a pressure cooker. Yeah, and then you know, <clears throat> for me, when they did all that other shit, I could take all the all the little shit that they did. You know what I'm saying? And the the good and the bad, I could take all of it. But 
to not be able to reward the people that looked out for me when Especially they looked out. Especially because we were working with the same production company. Right. This yeah. wasn't like you we you know, you were working with a different production company right. and now you had a a, a budget right. and you wanted to put them on. This was like these people have come through for you. Yeah, they've been riding with as you as directors and producers for years, for yeah. ten movies, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um it was funny because, you know, I was looking up um I thought about motors. Yeah. You know Motors was fun, but Sylvan, right? <laughs> no, that Motors was was no nah, Motors wasn't Sylvan. Motors was uh, Motors wasn't Sylvan. Sylvan came. He might have been Motors two. No, he was Twat three. No, he was he did Motors, Motors. Motors two. Okay, Motors two. Motors okay. one was the other dude. I forget his name. Okay, um, me too. He did uh, Gun Hill Road. Okay, um, that the director out there. But Motors was, I felt like it was a great piece of work. Yeah, because. The little bitty budget they gave us, we did some great shit with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We had a lot of good songs in there, and we were able to get a lot of good records. Yes. And uh, Raphael Sadiq actually yeah. did two. He gave us two records yes. for that movie. You know what I'm saying? For the end credits and one in a yes. sex scene. And, yes, yes, yes. And you know, you're jogging my memory now. No, nah, I mean <laughs> that was like that was some good shit because I had I did it that particular deal. But didn't we go to the studio with him at, yeah. in L.A., right? Yeah. Yeah, that was great. That yeah. was amazing. So we had we, we, we had to make some moves to make that happen. Yeah. And, um, you know, of course, Big Oom always gave us some hip-hop from his Dirty South stash. Yes. And it was just like when you come at it and, you know, you like to be able to say thank you. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and to not be able to do so, that that hurt me more than any other, other shit, any other personal shit. Yeah. To not be able to give Big Oom a budget. Yeah. And then somebody else come and give him the same number that he gave me and on the love. And then take 20%, right. That shit was like, man, please. So when you when you out here and you're doing deals with big companies, you know what I'm saying, it's a collaboration. True. And it's not just your visions. And I think, you know, when you when I was younger, that was important. You know what I'm saying? What I see, mm-hmm. da, 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 da. you charge me to do this shit and we going to do it. You know what I'm saying? Which, who are you to be questioning the shit we doing? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, this is our lane. Because this is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We do this shit. You see this last, all these last shits we done did? Right. But when you in it for real and you start to see the lesson I learned with Savon, who was the director on Stomp the Yard, who it was his vision and I was kind of buttoned up against that. Yeah. I, I, I learned in my own business now, how to let go. I don't even, I let go of that part of it. Yeah. Especially, like, I do branded content. And a company comes in with a vision, I let them have it. Yeah. I add the pieces that I can add. I can give my insights. But once we going, I separate myself from that shit so far back so that it, I can't take it personally. Yeah. I just do that shit. If they got corrections, if they uh, we hate this shit, we want da 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 da. We want. I don't give a fuck. All right, that's what you want. I take my. (laughs) I take everything very personally. Not not when it's somebody else's shit. No, I'm kidding. Well, okay. Well, I guess everything I'm doing today. It's your stuff. It's your stuff. And my stuff. I you know what I'm saying. I'm Erica Badu, but my stuff. Exactly. (laughs) But if I'm doing something with somebody else, that's their stuff. Yeah. Man, that's what you want. Alright. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that, but philosoph- there is but there is something to be said about um you know where you, you have to um in business even if it is your stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'm kind of being facetious in a way when I say I take it personally because I have to I do initially <laughs> take things personally when I get maybe um someone who wasn't happy with an experience that they mm-hmm. had in one of my classes or right. You know, think a song should be a different song or what have you. Right. You know You're what I talking mean? Talking about or, like customer customer service. Yeah, yeah, I guess that or just just the brand. You know what I right. mean? If somebody thinks the you know something about your brand, uh, you take it personally because right. you've created it. Right. Um, you live, eat, sleep it every single day. But I have learned, and I'm still working on it. And I think that is an important you know thing to point out is that we should not. You you can you have to separate yourself from your product. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have to be objective and you have to listen because if you don't listen and you think everything is supposed to just be simply from your perspective, you lose. You no, know what I mean? You lose big time. Yeah. And, you know, I've lost dealing with my own self. Yeah. And being, you know what I'm saying? Fuck that. I'm just how I got to be because right. that's how it's going to be. 
Right. Hundreds of thousands of dollars later. Exactly. <laughs> God damn. Exactly. Maybe I should have just built the website. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> this is a tough lesson. Yes. God, why you do this to me? <laughs> you did it to yourself, nigga. I tried to tell you. I sent about three motherfuckers to tell you to do a website instead of printing that shit. <laughs> yes. You shoot them away. Right. I let you be. <laughs> right. You got your prayers. <laughs> now leave me alone. <laughs> so now your AK is Founders Day. It for is you guys. Martin yes. Luther King's birthday. Yes, it is. You play. Shout out to my sorors. All right. Well, what chapter you play? Kiwi Alpha Delta. What's that? Morgan State. <laughs> That's Morgan State. Like, we don't. We don't know. <laughs> yes, Alpha Delta made. No doubt. And how was that? Like when you went to college, did you know you were going to be an AK? I did. Did you? I did, yeah. What did you think? I knew I was going to be an AK. Well, yeah, I will say um, I have been inspired by and, you know, my Aunt Linda my entire life. And so um, among many women, including my mother, but my Aunt Linda had um, gone to college. She pledged AKA. She was an attorney, which I never wanted to be, but, <laughs> but you know, I wanted to follow in her footsteps. She went to Morgan State for her undergrad years as well. So Aunt Linda was that lady that they have on the meme that come with the, with the fur. Right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. She was flying all over the world and, you know, traveling with her friends. And, um, you know, so she, she didn't have children at an early age, you know, so she was able to really, like, you know, find herself and do lots mm -hmm. of things. And I just wanted to emulate that. Right. And so, um, so she, when, once I found out, which was very at a young age, she was an AKA. I knew I was going to college, and I knew I was pledging AKA. So you actually went to the same school and pledged the same chapter. I did, though I didn't plan to go to Morgan State. Where did you plan to go? Clark, Atlanta. What happened? I wanted to go to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> um, you know, God directs your steps, and I'm a firm believer in that. And so. My senior year in high school, I was all set. I graduated. I mean, I was graduating from high school. I was accepted to Clark Atlanta University. I had a boyfriend who was already at Morehouse. He was a year ahead of me. And um, <laughs> and my father, the nightclub I mentioned to you earlier, um, he lost his business. Mm -hmm. And that changed the entire dynamics of my life. In my family, and once he lost the business, because you know he was paying outright for my college education, mm -hmm. I hadn't looked into loans, I hadn't looked into scholarships, and I wasn't I wasn't given any, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. and I hadn't looked, you know, sourced any out. And um, once that happened, it was you're not going to be able to go to Clark Atlanta, um, but we can get you into Morgan State. Morgan is in Maryland. Morgan's in Maryland, so which is where I'm from. It's right. in state. My aunt had graduated from there. She was friends with the um, president of the school at the mm -hmm. time. It was already past like the time of you know applying and things like that, so she could just make a phone call. Hey, hey, now go where you celebrate it. <laughs> <laughs> I was pissed. I was not happy. I said, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to college at all. And <laughs> that's exactly what I said. <laughs> You know, I had a boyfriend at Morgan. I mean, I, mean, I got Morgan. somebody in Atlanta waiting on me. <laughs> Y'all fucking up my life right now. Exactly. Fuck your club. <laughs> Shit. Exactly. <laughs> What's going on with the business? What, you going to get it back? What's happening? So <laughs> None of your business. <laughs> Take your ass on down there to Morgan and shut up. Right. It was a very trying time for my family. But we persevered. We made it through. I survived. I went to Morgan State, <laughs> which, you know, was... The, I mean, I don't know what it would have been like if I went to Clark Atlanta, but it was, you know, an amazing experience. I have amazing line sisters, uh, friends from college. It brought me to New York mm -hmm. um, to enter the music industry where I was, you know, where I worked for, what, 15, 17, between 15 and 17 years. I mean, not only did I work at Violator Management, from Violator Management, I went on to... Um, Boost Mobile Rock Corps, where I was the director of marketing, and you know we did some amazing things there. Mm -hmm. I worked with Chris really closely with Chris Robinson. Mm -hmm. um, from there, I went on to um, translation. Well, I worked for the Arnell Group with Peter Arnell and Steve Stout, mm -hmm. um, and then Steve Stout. I forgot you were the translation. 
Yeah, you, when Steve you like started up translation back then. Yeah, when when Steve left uh, Arnell Group, he created translation, and I went over to translation. And I worked on some amazing projects. I did the TI Chevy project, which eventually we had to pull because he got in trouble, and it was a whole big thing. Well, but know, we did the you know tip. top back. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which was an amazing, pro- you know, we did we, we had an amazing program. We did Mary J. Blige and and um, GM. We did Jay Z Blue, which never made it to the light of day. But we were working on those. What was that? It was a color. No, I know he he secured the color. He, yeah, he trademarked a specific color. They yeah. actually used it on the, one of the Benzes one time. Oh, they did. On okay. C class. Okay, well, this was a I, that must have been after my time there because this uh-huh. was a GM deal. Oh, okay, so they were going to use it on a GM car. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I think they ended up using it on a C class Benz. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So we had Jay. But he still own it. Yeah, I'm sure he does. And then his daughter's name is Blue. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, I guess he's locked in. He's like, this is going to work one day. Exactly. <laughs> Jay-Z be thinking long on you y'all ass. Like, think shit. long term, yes. <laughs> this is going to work one day. Exactly. But again, another example of an amazing mentor. You know, mm-hmm. Steve Stout is definitely, you know, a polarizing figure in a lot of, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a lot of people. But I learned a lot from Steve, you know. And um, it was a great time. And no then doubt. from... Translation. Um, I moved out to Los Angeles. Worked on a reality show that never aired called "I Manage a Celebrity," with um, with my friends. You know, I brought people mm-hmm. out to LA to work on this film. We went to Dubai and you know all over the world with that TV show. And then I came back to New York because I realized LA was not the place for me to live. Though I love visiting. I, I, What's I, the difference between because everybody that moves to LA tries they like the border tourism. <laughs> Everybody that moved from New York to L.A., every time you go out there, it's like, yo, you got to come. I mean, you got to at least look. Yeah. You know, at least think about it. Yeah. You know, I live in this amazing neighborhood and the school's my great. My neighborhood was amazing. I did love my neighborhood. So what's the difference between visiting and living? I was bored stiff <laughs> living. <laughs> I was over the palm trees. The sunshine was annoying. I was looking for rain. <laughs> I like. I like. I a, need some piss on I the like, sidewalk. I what like is a this season? Shit? I like a change of pace. You know what I mean? And so, and I was single there too. I think if I was to live there today, and I have my son, maybe things may be different. But um, I was just really bored. I really needed more depth. Mm-hmm. I needed more substance. Mm-hmm. And I came running back to New York <laughs> after a year in L.A. But it was a great time. I mean, I had a lot of fun there, but I was bored. Oh, and no. um, so I came back here. And then I went, when I, as soon as I got back here, I got a call from Def Jam. We're looking for somebody, you know, come work with us. And, you know, after you know meetings and such. And um, ended up working at Def Jam. My first artist when I got there was Big Sean. He had my last and that was, you know, the song was starting to blow up. People were starting to pay attention to Big Sean. Mm-hmm. He had this song with, um, you know, with Chris. And it was just, you know, an amazing time. And then that that, <laughs> that song went from, you know, catching on. And remember and remember Chris from Stomp the, you know, right. I had worked with Chris for Stomp, with Stomp the Yard and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so it was, it was good. And then I had Neo over there and... Neo. Luke James and Frank Ocean. So I was like the yeah. leader of the new school. You know what I mean? Right, right, and then right. I had Janae Aiko. When you had Big Sean, I was. Be, I told you uh, he needed to break up with his girlfriend. Well, we were happy when he did. But then he broke up with her and got right with um, well, at the least girl he, from Glee. Well, the girl from Glee who was the one I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. The girl was. from Glee made him look weak. Yeah, his original girlfriend, girlfriend was from Detroit. And then right, he no, got, no. The and girl he, from, when they broke up, he got with someone from Every time you see a picture with Big Sean and the girl from Glee, he looked like he's shrunken. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he, I, I don't mean, think he was that comfortable. I think, you know what I'm saying? I think he really loved her probably more than she loved him. Yeah. And he was all in. He was trying to. And no, I, I, I felt that before in a relationship. Where you well, they all, say that's what it's supposed to be. They huh? say the man should love you more. That's what. That's yeah, what, but yeah. it got to it got to be some, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> reciprocation. You can't be on the red carpet looking shrunk. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't a good time. Your woman, your woman's supposed to make you look bigger. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't a good time for the brand. Well, hey, well, let me. Like, while you're saying that, do you think that Beyonce makes Jay Z shrinks Jay Z? Sometimes I do too. But but but, but he he know he he's able to he bounce it, out he, and he pull himself together. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there are times where he 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 looks big, but then there are times where but it's appropriate. You know what I'm saying? It kind of like goes back and forth with okay, them. Okay, so you and feel that's like good. That's a forth. good. That's a good balance. Yeah, the balance. It's a balance. Yeah. But sometimes it's like you with somebody and and they 
they just outshining you and you just look real little <laughs> and you just look like, okay, 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 you know, okay, what you want to do? I don't uh, whatever you want to do. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah. how Big Sean looked. You know with, when men are with, in love, you can't do anything And I've been there. Yeah. So he I was can't. going to marry that woman. Huh? Remember, they were getting yeah, married. Yeah, he told me, sons, my mama might make one more money than me. <laughs> yeah. You know? And, you know, I've been there in that situation. So I, I get it, but when you see it on somebody who's like yeah. in a in the limelight, and it's always hard too when you're at the label or in or in the management company to have an opinion on a personal you know their personal situations because obviously we have we we normally do, mm-hmm. and you have to walk a fine line in in expressing that, yeah, um, you, especially you know. when some when a man's nose is open, it's pretty much oh and a, when a woman's nose is oh forget about you it, shut up. <laughs> No, and I get it. So, and I know you couldn't yeah. say nothing. But we it was just my own little, yeah. own little. When you was doing that project, that was just my own, my only little advice. Like, man, I you agree. need to get him to break up with her because he looks little. She's the brand. He right? looks little next to her. Yeah. But Jay Z had to shrink and kiss the feet, and he was in lemonade, yeah. all balled down. But you know, yeah, it it made sense. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, and yeah. And he's already, you know, Jay-Z has solidified his brand so thoroughly. And Sean no was still rather new. Yeah, he was still coming yeah. up. And, you know, shit, as a grown man, shit, I had to shrink down, you know what I'm saying, in times to make, yeah. you know what I'm saying, but you had to be able to retain your, you know what I'm saying, your, your man's <laughs> your man shit. You know keep what I'm saying? Your you back. Gotta keep your shoulders back. keep your shoulders back shit straight, even when shit is fucked up. You know what I'm saying? I'd been... <laughs> My shit was fucked up. You know what I'm saying? My wife looking at me like, you know what I mean? Uh, what was shit? I hey, I don't know what you gonna do, but this shit right here ain't working. And I just had to stand. I stand in my shit like, huh? Well, if it don't work, it don't work. But we gonna be moving in this direction if we gonna be moving together. Yes. You know what yes, I'm saying? Yes, yes. And that's that's the only thing yes. you can stand on. You have to hold on to something. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And no woman wants a man that shrinks down that low. Trust me. Cause shit, man. <laughs> Cause you no, know, I learned that from when I was shrinking. I was with somebody and I was shrinking myself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And you know, I was trying to bend myself into a space where I could fit in her world. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it seems like the more that I did it, the worse it got. Yeah. <laughs> And I'm just like, damn, this shit ain't working. They told me I was supposed to, you know what I'm saying? You know how people give you relationship yeah, advice and yeah. shit, all the standard <laughs> shit you read in magazines and shit. You had to compromise and all that shit. That's some bullshit. Right. So I just shrink myself into it. And then the more I shrink, the more they motherfucking, you know what I'm saying, stick you with the stick like you're lying in a cage. <laughs> Gregory Porter got a song about some shit like that. <laughs> uh, really? Yeah, you talk about the lion in the cage, and they poke you, and they just want to hear you roar. But then you know what I'm saying. Oh Lord, you just reminded me. I on a totally different note, I have to do. Um, my son is in kindergarten, uh-huh. and this is his first presentation, and it has it's on a lion. Well, he so better be to... a strong lion that roars. <laughs> Make sure he know how to roar. Well, there's an African proverb that we're going to mm-hmm. start with, and it's a roar, a roaring lion kills no game. Okay. Well, at least he got a roar. And so we're going to start with that. <laughs> it's be Lady Lions killing the game anyway. So. Because, you know, I just found, I just did my African ancestry. Mm-hmm. Got my DNA results back on, from my mother's side. Where are you from? I'm from Nigeria. Ah. I was so excited. And I'm from the Fulani ethnic group. Oh, okay. Fulani. I Fulani. don't know what that means, but yes. I know Nigerians. Yes. <laughs> You're like, I don't know what Fulani. <laughs> well, that's the great part about doing your African ancestry is that mm-hmm. they will give it give you your ethnic group. Really? Yes. And so the Fulani have a very deep history. They are not only in Nigeria, but they're in various parts of Africa. And um, it's, it was an exciting time. It was actually very what made you do emotional. It? My son, really. I mean, one, I wanted to know because I, once I did it, I felt so much more power. Mm-hmm. I felt empowered in a way I never realized I would. So it was important for me as well. But I also wanted my son to be able to walk in his, his greatness. No doubt. From an early age. So Fulani, Fulani tribe in Nigeria. Yeah. So all my Nigerians, you know what I'm saying, let me know what's up. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll go do mine, maybe. You should do it. You really should. I don't want them to have all in my DNA. 
I everybody says that, but I'm like at the end of the day, I mean, hey, they already they already got my fingerprint in my phone. Exactly. <laughs> oh, I took that off. I, look, I took that off. I just but gave them still, my you DNA. S- you still you still press the button every time to open it up. Exactly. Like you're right. You don't even got to press it all the way. They know your fingerprint. That's because you have it set. I know, but did you don't think they read it? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? When they, when when Siri started testifying against I you in court, I just the pros and cons. Like, and Akina I pressed the button at 10:58 <laughs> to open me up, and then we walked into the club. And she says she don't be in the club, but she was in the club. <laughs> that was bananas. <laughs> Siri, Siri gonna be snitching. <laughs> what oh you was saying? Now? Um, I you know I just felt like the it uh, the the benefits of knowing. Because mm-hmm. I believe in the African Ancestry Program and the scientists right. that are... So that's a specific brand. That's a specific brand. Af- African Ancestry. Yes. Not um, the other shit. Not Ancestry.com. Right. Yeah. This Ancestry.com is, is, this is snitching. Just, well, yeah, Ancestry.com does. And, Anse- and African Ancestry does not sell any of your DNA. Mm-hmm. And I believe in them. And, um, and you know, I just thought it was worth it for my so, son to know. When you I don't want him saying he's from Africa. A when whole you continent. <laughs> you from Africa? Where? <laughs> I don't Africa. <laughs> you black, ain't you? Like the movie Belly. He's going to Africa. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. That's fucked up. Why you do Nas like that? Wasn't Nas your artist? <laughs> no, I never worked with Nas. <laughs> we going to Africa. <laughs> well, where our ticket go to? <laughs> Africa. Ain't no money in the budget for that, all that. <laughs> oh, exactly. <laughs> Oh, hype. <laughs> All over the budget. <laughs> hype had to learn the same lesson I learned. It was supposed to be his vision and shit. The studio like nigga. Nobody knows where <laughs> Molly is. Say Africa. <laughs> you over budget. We not going to Africa. You going to cut the black. <laughs> exactly. We out. <laughs> black. Exactly. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I'll do mine. Maybe I'll find out where I'm from. You should do it. You know what I'm saying? I've been kicking with it with all my African friends. The African wave is 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 blowing up. It really is. It really is. And um my friend Efe, out of Atlanta, he's Nigerian. Okay. He was a visionary on this whole African thing. And me and him got cool when we was doing Stomp the Yard. Okay. So when I was okay. down there for two months. Mm-hmm, I remember. And um he he was cool with him and he's down with Alex Get One, that whole camp. Okay. Okay. And so F.A. was like to, he was like the, I can do, he could do whatever. Yeah. Whatever you need, he could find it out. You need a you need a, a Bentley, you ain't got no credit. Right. He could figure it out <laughs> Right, for you. right. You know what I'm saying? But at the time, he was trying to get into music. And mm-hmm. he was, he started by managing producers. Okay. And the whole time, he was like, yo. You know, I managed producers before, too. Really? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who was one of your producers? I don't remember any of their names. Oh, Lord. But they were from D.C., Maryland. Mm-hmm. It was a headache. So he was managing producers, and but the whole time he was saying, you know what I'm saying, this African wave, you know, I got to get African and, and American music together. That shit's going to be... This was 2006. Oh, wow. And then he he had a few producers that he managed. Then he managed uh, Red One. Okay. Who did... What's the lady who wore the beef? Um... Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Mm-hmm. Rare One did Lady Gaga's first album. Okay. So, okay. So from there, you know, I mean, he blew up. Right. You know, he was cool with Akon and all that shit. So mm-hmm. That's how the Lady Gaga connection came into play. Oh yeah, yeah. He, that he makes cool sense. with Akon. Yeah. He had Rare One. Akon, Rare One. Right. Lady Gaga. Poof. Mm-hmm. So that blew up, and then you know, but he always was you know talking to African shit. Then he got a a producer out of uh, London. I can't think of the dude's name, but he ended up signing to Nicki Minaj's label. Okay. As a producer. Right. And he was doing Afro beat cuts mm-hmm. for, he did a couple for Rihanna. He did a couple on Nicki's other album. Okay. And that's when, you know, he started putting it in the American play. And yeah. then at the same time, the DJs started making that a wave. Mm-hmm. And shit, you know, what's that? Twelve years later, is here. I'm like, damn. Yes. And I see him now. He, you know, he he manages uh, David O. Okay. So he's doing well. Yeah, he's doing he's doing extremely well. And his vision is like what he said out of his mind is real today. Yeah. Which is the most powerful thing. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And and that he had the stick to itness. 
no doubt. Mm-hmm. So he took it. And so, you know, it's interesting to see how Africa is coming into play as a continent. Yes. From different ways. Because, you know, I, my plug, I have a couple guys from South Africa. Okay. Which is a whole different part of, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But a guy I met through this rapper, Damani, who went to South Africa and it changed his whole life. Okay. Ended up marrying a girl in Brooklyn. Okay. So now he lives in Brooklyn, but all the South African people always come see him at least <laughs> once a week, seem like there's somebody from South Africa in town. Wow. Where, you know, we mixing and cross pollinating and shit like that. And it's like, it's happening. Yes. That whole thing about, you know, bridging the diaspora, mm-hmm. it's really happening Absolutely. on a small level. Right. But even on a larger level, because there are places like Ghana, mm-hmm. they just opened up um, their borders up for. African Americans to come over and do things there, and a couple of other other countries are doing that as well. So it, it's it really is, um, you know, the diaspora mm-hmm. is 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 coming together in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm sure you know there are obviously lots and lots of issues, but there's a lot of good things. Yeah, it's definitely it's always good. It's just like when you go to college and you meet somebody. You from Maryland? You meet people from Chicago, Atlanta, Detroit. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's like oh shit. They do this over here, and you start you start knowing. Yes, and those places become accessible to exactly. you. Exactly, exactly. So it's the same thing. I've never been to South Africa. I've never been to Africa. I've only I've been to Egypt. That's it. But I've plugged people in South Africa, like you know, what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. I'm the man. Mm-hmm. Like shit, you right. go to South Africa, you gonna call this motherfucker? Right, <laughs> right. Because you know, what I'm saying I've met so many right. people coming back and forth. Right, and. I think it's a very important part of uh, culture is to be able to shrink the world. Absolutely. And that's what the internet has done. No doubt. Wear it up. So let them know how to get in touch with the Banana Skirt Productions and join the classes. And when they come to New York, come see you. Yes, absolutely. We do birthday parties as well. A lot of privates, you know, birthday, bachelorettes. Um, But we're at bananaskirt.net. Um, and on Instagram, we're banana underscore skirt. You can see lots of videos there. All of our classes we post on our story daily, and we post um, class videos on our um, on our feed. And on Twitter, we're banana underscore skirt there as well. And then we're on Facebook. Word up. Y'all can catch me on the gram, at Mr. Muhammad. Twitter, same thing. And right here next week, we'll be right back. D. Lemon should be back in the house. And until then, tell a friend to tell a friend and even the enemy. Get in the conversation. And the main thing of it all is to be in the conversation.